0: The massive flood from Hurricane Harvey isn't the only news out of Texas. A federal judge in San Antonio on Wednesday at least temporarily blocked core parts of a state law that would crack down on so-called sanctuary cities and force greater cooperation with federal immigration officials. Judge Orlando Garcia said much of the measure probably violates the Constitution and federal immigration law. Garcia, a Bill Clinton appointee, said the provisions will erode public trust and make many communities and neighborhoods less safe. The state's largest cities, including Houston, were among the challengers, and Texas has vowed to appeal. Our guests to sort this out and explain its significance are Rick Sue, he's a professor at the University of Buffalo, Buffalo School of Law, and Leon Fresco, a partner at Holland and Knight. Uh, Rick, uh, w- welcome to you both. Rick, uh, let's start at kind of a, at a general level here, because there are a lot of specific provisions, and we'll we'll get into some of the specifics, but. Why did Texas pass this measure? What did it say it was trying to accomplish?
1: Uh, more specifically, it's trying to go after so-called sanctuary cities. And of course, this issue of sanctuary cities, though, not necessarily new, has really sort of taken on front stage in the immigration debates in recent years. Um, what Precipitated it directly uh, was uh, the actions uh, and the policies passed by Travis County, uh, which is, uh, encompasses Austin, uh, which really raised the ire of the governor and many of the state legislatures. And as the court case notes, uh, much of SB4 was directed towards. Uh, attacking uh, particular local officials uh, and with with, with a certain number of penalties uh, for not participating in immigration enforcement.
2: Leon, the law was so divisive that one Democratic legislator even pushed a Republican legislator on the final day of the session. So how much of a blow is this to Texas Republicans and the Trump administration that backed it?
3: Well, I, I would say this is a tremendous setback from the standpoint that all across the country the issue of Local law enforcement is being litigated in various different fora, whether it's uh, removing DOJ grant money from localities that don't want to create immigration enforcement, don't want to enact immigration enforcement policies to um, to this case in Texas, which is a state-driven initiative, to other cases where the cities themselves are challenging provisions of the of the of what the federal government is trying to do. Litigation that's happening across the country can take this signal about the restraints that the courts are now saying are going to be placed on any effort to deputize from by either the federal government or now the state government to deputize localities to engage in immigration
0: enforcement. Rick, let's talk a little bit about the specifics of this ruling. Uh, what would you say is the most important part of it?
1: Uh, I think what's vital uh, to recognize is the degree to which the court really called out uh, SB4, which is the state law that we're talking about in this case, uh, for how extraordinary it actually is. And there are various components that I think really made it a strong case, at least in the eyes of the judge in this case, uh, the degree to which this particular penalty goes after individual uh, policymakers and lawmakers in these jurisdictions with civil penalties, criminal penalties, and removal from office. Uh, Along with the fact that uh, it it really removes a lot of discretion and gets us back into the debate of whether or not the local and state governments have the power to enforce civil immigration laws, uh, especially in light of the fact that uh, many of the requests made by the federal government lack um, uh, probable cause uh, to issue a warrant, which is traditionally the constitutional requirement for local law enforcement to arrest and then detain someone in custody.
2: Leon, talk specifically about detainer requests and how they work and what cities are doing with them.
3: Sure. So the in the ideal world of how this administration would want to run immigration enforcement, what they would want is whenever any human being in the United States is arrested, that individual's fingerprints are taken. Those fingerprints are sent to an FBI database. FBI actually shares those fingerprints with ICE as part of an arrangement that the FBI has with ICE, which is Immigration Customs Enforcement. And so from that fingerprint sharing, ICE determines that there are individuals whose fingerprints they're receiving that they want to go and try to find when they get released from these facilities. But what happens is ICE isn't in all the thousands of counties across America, and so they need time to get to these facilities before individuals are released. And so, what I want to do is to be able to tell all of these local jails, please hold on to these individuals. That's what a detainer is. It says, please, the piece of paper that says, please hold on to these individuals for 48 more hours than what you would ordinarily hold on to them for, to give us time to get them and place them into immigration custody.
0: We're talking about a ruling by a federal judge in San Antonio on Wednesday that at least temporarily. Blocked much of a Texas law that would crack down on so called sanctuary cities. And our guests are Leanne Fresco of Holland and Knight and Rick Sue of the University of Buffalo School of Law. R- Rick, a moment ago, Leanne was talking about this notion of, of detaining. Uh, 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 undocumented immigrants and and, and sort of explaining that what ICE wants, federal immigration authorities, what they want sometimes is, because they can't be everywhere, is for local authorities to hang on to somebody for maybe 48 hours so that federal officials have time to get there and detain the person. Uh, This law that was blocked uh, would have required local officials to do more to cooperate with ICE. What did the judge find was wrong with that provision?
1: So with regard to the particular detainer issue, it it gets back to a bigger issue that's been litigated in lots of courts, uh, as was mentioned before. Uh, it has to do with whether or not the local law enforcement agencies actually have the power. Uh, to detain these particular individuals uh, past uh, the time in which uh, uh, any local cause to detain them has expired. Um, and there actually has been many lawsuits that have risen out of this uh, precisely because the detainer request itself uh, doesn't require probable cause or that actually the individual is an undocumented immigrant. And the reason why many counties pulled away from following federal detainer requests uh, was because of a number of lawsuits in which uh, United States citizens who have been Uh, detained because of incorrect information from the federal government, ended up suing the counties themselves, uh, and the counties were held liable because the court said it was your decision to follow the detainers, the detainer was inappropriate, and in this case it is your liability to pay for those damages.
2: Leon, Latino and civil rights groups call this a show-me-your-papers law that echoes the one that was enacted by Arizona in 2010. Judge Garcia partially upheld that. Tell us what he ruled.
3: Right. Well, the judge sort of split it up, and he said that the part that the Supreme Court allowed in Arizona, is also allowed in Texas, which is the requirement that uh, local officials not be banned from sharing information with ICE. The issue of sharing information has continued to be an area where courts have not wanted to restrict uh, the ability of, people, of local law enforcement to share information with ICE. And so the court said that that provision in SB4 is fine, the one that requires the, uh, the that bans localities from saying you can't share information. So that part uh, continues. But the part where the local officials are permitted to be deputized to actually engage in immigration enforcement was viewed by the judge as excessive and violative, both preempted by the Immigration and Nationality Act because there is a provision for how you deputize uh, local law enforcement and also potentially violative of due process. So that part where there's sort of an active immigration enforcement component by the localities. that part was actually banned.
0: Rick, one other provision I want to ask you about, I think you alluded to it earlier, are these uh, penalties that could have been imposed, both civil and criminal, on local officials who didn't comply with parts of the, the law. Tell me a little bit about that. Is that a novel uh, requirement that Texas was trying to impose? And what did, the, did Judge Garcia say about them?
1: Yeah, so the penalties are relatively novel. There has been other cases with regard to politicized issues like gun control, where state legislatures are moving to – individually penalize officials who are involved in this, but uh, none go as far or as extreme as this particular law. Um, the penalties themselves were part of a broader ruling, and what the court essentially said is because of the standard of conduct that the law requires is so broad and vague, uh, you can't endorse a policy and maybe speak out on behalf of a policy that might limit inf- immigration enforcement, uh, materially limit pattern practice, that to have such a strong penalty attached to to vague prohibitions uh, would restrict in many ways uh, both under uh, on the one hand the First Amendment rights of these individuals to advocate for certain policies uh, and also another concern was just that they were vague that the individuals were not on notice uh, with regard to what they should or should not do and it may have a chilling effect on what local policymakers do uh, both of these are really novel they're often not seen in state efforts Uh, to, let's say, mandate a uniform policy in a state. Uh, These seem to be directly attacking uh, individual uh, policymakers themselves, and the court noted that.
2: Rick, uh, we just about have a minute left. Tell us what you think about the chances for appeal. The state attorney general says they're going to appeal it to the Fifth Circuit, which is known as a conservative circuit.
1: Yeah, so it's slightly different in this case because it has to do with the state involvement in immigration enforcement. Uh, And if the uh, previous precedents have mostly talked about federal power, in this case, this is slightly different. Uh, I do think that some of the things that George Garcia noted, and like I said before, the extremity and the unprecedented nature of this particular law itself, Uh, may raise the ire of the Fifth Circuit as well. Uh, They're just very unique, even if you take out the immigration politics of it all. uh, They're very unique in what they're trying to do and does raise constitutional concerns.
0: Well, a case almost certainly will go up on appeal to the Fifth Circuit, which is based in New Orleans. Uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton has uh, said that he intends to appeal. He's also said that one of his issues with this ruling, uh, interestingly, was that uh, uh, it was decided in San Antonio instead of Austin. Uh, Austin, uh, Ken Paxton said in a statement, is where the people's representatives passed the law. State business is conducted in Austin. The plaintiffs have no reason to litigate this case in san antonio so that may also be one of the issues that goes up to the fourth to to the fifth circuit uh, when as expected the state appeals i want to thank our guests rick sue who's a professor at the university of buffalo school of law and leon fresco a partner at holland tonight talking to us about the new ruling out of a federal district judge on texas's sanctuary city law